Elder Mark Richards preached a sermon at the camp meeting on the subject of death. That subject has not left me since he preached that sermon. I've been doing a lot of thinking about it. Me and Brother Philip talked a lot about that sermon there at the, at the meeting. And uh, it has not left my mind. I've tried to look at some scriptures. If it be God's will, I'd like to try to talk about that very same subject to you today. Certainly not correcting Brother Richards at all. It's just that his, his study stirred up my mind and encouraged me to, to look at it. And it got me to thinking that we don't talk a lot about that in a preaching way. We talk a lot about the resurrection and the things that happen after death, but we don't talk about that particular subject. Especially since, uh, you know, we've had the sickness there at the Bernia. Young brother Ethan James tragically passed away a few weeks ago. I know the family well, stayed in their home. They're, very, they're friends of mine. That, that affected me a lot, as it affected a lot of people. And um, I've changed my mind about some things that I used to think that was a spiritual position. And one of the things that I've changed in a way, I would actually say this in a boastful way, I am not afraid of death. I said that quite a lot of times. I've changed my mind on that. I think what I'm saying, I'm not afraid of what happens after death. I'm not afraid, really, of death, but I am afraid of dying. I'm going to confess that before you. I am afraid of dying. I am afraid of it because I don't know anything about it. It's unknown, and it can happen in any given way. And it's completely unpredictable. Solomon talked about it in a lot of Ecclesiastes. He said there's one event that happens to them all, them being young, old, rich, poor, male or female, master or slave, does not matter. One event happened to them all. He said, man goeth to his long home. They all pass away. It's the most common event in the history of humanity is death. We all are going to share in that, except those who are alive when the Lord comes back, and Enoch and Elisha. Uh, even our Lord Jesus Christ, it says he tasted death for every man. He gave up the ghost, and uh, thus it is our lot that we don't like to think about. It used to be in our American society that we were more familiar with it. We were talking about it last night at Brother Sonny's house. They would actually dress the dead, stay up with the dead at night, dig the, the burial, bury them. They were familiar with it. It used to be that the last words of somebody was very treasured. It was kept, what they, what they said. But in our, we have clinicized it, we have sanitized it, I guess. We have separated ourselves from it. And that uh, 
And I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying just the way it is. That oftentimes, that there's so much medication, there's no last words. And uh, it happens away from home. And then other people whose profession that is take care of it afterwards. And that we're removed from it. Therefore, it becomes even more foreign to us than it was at one time. But yet it happens. Once in a while, it hits you. And what do you do? What do you think? What, what's your mental process about that? As Brother Sonny said last night, we have to go to the scriptures. We need to look at the scriptures. And the scripture that I like to look at is found in the 14th chapter of Proverbs in the 32nd verse. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 32. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. That's an interesting statement. Wicked driven away in their wickedness. Their life is wicked. They are wicked. They're not God's people. They don't have the spirit of God in them. Sin reigns in their members. It drives them. It overrules them. And to them, death is the end of pleasure. Death is the end of the best part of their life. And that's true. The best part of their life is the life they live here. They ought to have a great fear of death. But the righteous, on the other hand, they see it differently. Death is the end of sorrow. It's an escape. It's a release. And it's a release from a world of suffering and pain to a world of joy unspeakable, a, a world that cannot be described, and a world where we'll see our Lord face to face and be with him in heaven. I have hope. That's, that's my hope. That's my hope. If I didn't have that hope... I would be of all men most miserable, and so would you. Death is the beginning of endless joy. We sing that one of our songs. Why do we start and fear to die? What timorous worms we mortals are. Death is the gate of endless joy. That's what he said. Another song, why do we mourn departing friends? Why? Because when our friends and loved ones die, it is an end for us. And I think that's the sting of death, as we were talking last night. It hurts. It's painful. I still miss my dad. I still miss a lot of folks. But I know, I trust, I have a hope that they're better than I am. They're in a better place than I ever can be in this world. Their best day has happened. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting below. I have a hope in that. My hope is that when I leave this world, I'm in a better world. A world without death. Amen. It's paradise. How can that... that now... That, that should help us a little bit, this, this thought. That really should. 
it does, I don't think it removes the fear of the unknown. I, and I, I don't want folks, I want people to stop beating themselves up about it. That's not a lack of faith. That's just being a human being. That's part of our chemistry. We've got a will to live. I firmly believe that my father, I saw him five days before he died. He was Brother Bonnie. Same old thing. Asked for a bag of potato chips. He got them. Then he wanted me to leave. So he get his potato chips. Five days, four days later, we get a call. And they say, he's, he's passing. Probably be about three or four days. He didn't have two hours. He passed it within two hours. I think Dad just wanted to go on and be with the Lord. I think he just let it go. I don't know that for sure. Seems to me that's the way it is. He had a will to stay here. And then he had a will not to stay here. It just it looked that way to me. And he was fine with that. He wasn't a struggle with him. But I think he had dying grace. That's what I think dying grace is. It's a reconciliation. You know, I don't, I don't need preaching grace until I get up to preach. We don't need dying grace until it's time to die. Until then, we need to live a good life, serve the Lord, serve one another, love each other. That's, 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 that's the way it ought to be. That's the way we're made. That's the way I think the Lord made us. Now, the Apostle Paul... <clears throat> Said something interesting in the in the seventh in Second Corinthians in the first chapter of Second Corinthians, he's going to talk about something that happened in the city of Ephesus to them, and he says this in the eighth verse: "For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength." Insomuch that we despaired even of life. As in a bad circumstance, I think that they were in fear of their very lives. Pressed out of measure. We are out of options. We are, we are above strength. We, there's, there is nothing we could do about it. We despaired even of life. Then he's going to say something in the next three verses that addresses this and addresses so much more. And I think we are journeying now into some of the deepest scriptures, at least to me, in the Word of God. He said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Hold on. <laughs> what does that mean? You know what I used to think that meant? I think he's saying, I think that was a refer back to what happened in Asia. I thought that's what that meant. I think, I thought he was saying, <clears throat> it was so bad <clears throat> that we were marked men. They were coming after us. They were trying to kill us. Matter of fact, they had passed a sentence of death on us. I, but that's not what he said. That's not what he meant. As Brother Sonny said to me last night, and I agree, that word sentence means answer. It's an answer. It's a legal term. 
criminal is convicted in a trial, charged guilty, proven guilty, now he's convicted. The court has to give an answer to that conviction, and that answer is a sentence. What is the court going to say? What is the court going to do? What is the court's answer to this conviction? The court says jail or this, that, or the other. The sentence is the answer of a higher power. What Paul is saying is this. When we face that situation, we had something within ourselves that was telling us something, that sentence. We had the sentence of death within our, in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. Paul said, look, we're depraved sinners. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We couldn't save ourselves from the thing we needed to save ourselves the most from. We are fallen. And the sentence was dead. We can't trust ourselves. We're already got a sentence of death. But we're going to trust in God now. Oh, here we go. You afraid of death? Well, stop trusting in yourselves because you're going to die. Trust in God. Because what does God do? He said he raises the dead. Then he backs it up. He said, who delivered us from so great a death? And doth deliver. And whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So great a death. That's our death in depravity and in trespasses. And the guilt of, of uh, as an Adam all die. You're born with that sentence. You're born in that state. You come into this world in sin. And that so great a death was an eternal death, an eternal separation from God. No hope whatsoever. But he said he delivered us. God delivered us from that. And he doth deliver. So he goes all the way back to eternity past and to the very beginning. There's deliverance, great deliverance. Man, he's talking about right now, he delivers right now. Obviously, they were delivered from Asia, whatever it was. He doth deliver. He'll deliver tomorrow and the next day. And then he said, and we trust that he will yet deliver us. I think that's talking all the way into the day of the resurrection. Because he said he raises the dead. That doth delivers right now. That yet deliver. That's a deliverance from this bodily death. And our bodies 
though they remain in the ground, but we're set free from it. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, we fly away. The grave shall be robbed of its victory. And the, and the Lord claims that. And it's shaping like his glorious body. And though we, as Paul said in the 8th chapter of Romans, we groan within ourselves. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We groan. But yet remember, he delivered from so great a death. He doth deliver. And he will yet deliver. Amen. My, my friends, he can deliver us from any type of death. Death and sin. Bodily death. A death to the joys of the fellowship. Of the church. He can deliver us from the death. Of when others separate themselves from us. And go off into wickedness. In this world. And leave the church. That's a death. And it's a sting. Just like a natural death. We matter of fact. In many, and sometimes it's even worse than death. Because it's a living death. God can deliver us from that death. And God can, can take that, that pain and that sorrow and turn our mourning into joy and remind us, aren't you glad that I delivered from so great a death? Some people go to their bed at night thinking their children are bound for hell. I, I love a God that delivers us from so great a death. And we go over here in John chapter 11. <clears throat> Brother Sonny and I talked a lot about this last night. I love uh, this story. I tried to preach on the latter end of it a few weeks ago. Didn't really get to the first part I'd like to today. It was uh, the news was given <clears throat> to Jesus Christ that his friend Lazarus was sick. Mary and Martha, his sister, sent news to him. He whom thou lovest is sick. It says, when Jesus heard that in verse 4, he said, this sickness is not a death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. I'm a, what, now we know the end of the story. <laughs> the apostles didn't, but, but we, well, I think what he's saying is that I'm going to show you That I, that I can deliver. Deliver from death. So great a death, corporal death, whatever death you're talking about. Lazarus is not sick because he did something wrong. And I don't know, I mean, I'm not saying God made him sick for this purpose. I'm just saying this circumstance is going to be used to show my power in my glory. And, and it was. And so later on, after some time, the Lord Jesus Christ declared, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go to wake him out of sleep. 
apostle said, if he sleepeth, he doeth well. That's when he said Lazarus is dead. That's what he meant. Lazarus sleepeth. You know sleep is good. I like to go to, I like sleep. I enjoy it a lot. I'd enjoyed it last night. As a matter of fact, if I don't get enough sleep, nobody, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be around me. And I don't like them either. <laughs> so everybody wants to make sure Brother Dave gets a good night's sleep. I feel better when I sleep. I think it's been proven that if you don't get any sleep, you die. Your body shuts down. Your mental stability, your physical stability... Everything just goes haywire to the point that you cannot even function anymore. Sleep is good. Even the disciples said, if he sleepeth, he doeth well. They say that about people in the hospital. Well, they're resting easy. That's good. It's good. They're resting. I'm about to say something that sounds very, that sounds very, very bizarre. I say this with firm conviction of faith. Sleep is good. Death is good. That's what Brother Richards, that's what he said. Death is not bad. Death, as the song says, is the gate to endless joy. Death is a release. From this prison of this body that we live in. And though our the body clings to this earth, the spirit and the soul yearns for release and to be with the Lord. As it says of Rachel, while her soul was in departing. Longing. Let me out of this prison. Let me fly away. Let me leave this world of sorrow and be with the Lord. That's beautiful. It said of Stephen, he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He declared it. I think he kept his eyes on that sight. As they stoned him to death. And it says. And when they were done. It said he fell asleep. The Lord. Can wake us. Out of that sleep. And he will. Wake us out of that sleep too. I'm going to wake him. This is the end of our suffering here on earth. I'm not saying that life is just terrible all the time. I'm so thankful we've got the church because this is the earnest of our inheritance. I'm so grateful that we have this Bible, which he sang about the bread of life, that we want it broken to us, that we can hear about these things and have hope in, in right now. And that we look, it's like, I want to be, though, I want to be with the Lord.
one of the things that I've stopped, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you one of the things I don't say anymore. So I guess I'm still saying it. Here's another thing that I stopped saying, but I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you what I stopped saying. When I had my heart attack, the doctor said one more hour, I would have, been, I would have died. When I went to the hospital with COVID, the doctor said you had about 20 minutes left. And I used to kind of make a joke about it. I said, well, all I had to do was nothing. And I could have been with the Lord. I don't say that anymore. Because beyond anything I want to do the will of God. Okay? And when Sister Leslie woke me out of a sleep and said, you've got to go to the hospital right now. If the Lord had said this to me, you could either go to the hospital and live, or you can just stay on this couch and die and be with me. In spite of all this that I'm saying about hope and everything else, you know what I would have chosen? I would have gone straight to the hospital. Why? When it's the end of suffering. Why? When you're talking about a release. Why? When you say like a bird from prison bars have flown. Because of what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, very important scripture. In Philippians chapter 1, he had started out like this. Verse 21, for the me to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> Living is good, but he said dying is better. All right? But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. When that remains, you stay. And you live. Because the live is Christ. But when that time comes that your soul understands that perhaps it is communicated to you like I think it was to my dad. It's your time. I'm not saying it was predestinated from the beginning of the world. I'm just saying, Lord, it gives us an understanding. And when that understanding comes, things become clear. It becomes set. Until you receive that, we live. And we, we do the best we can. And we will continue to make mistakes. And there will continue to be sorrow. And there will be bad days. And worse days. But yet we go on. We'll face things like Paul faced in Asia. But remember, he doth deliver. And remember, he delivered us from so great a death. 
the fact that we're living is not canceling out anything. And the fact that we're living does not cancel out that he will yet deliver. Paul said, I ministrate. That's a hard place. I've got to tell you, I would rather be with Christ. I would rather depart and be with Christ. Yet, something within me says, I need to stay here. It's more needful for you. But then there came a time that he was not in a strait betwixt two. When he wrote to Timothy, some say that this was the last letter he wrote, I don't know. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he charges him. Chapter 4 is Paul's charge to Timothy. Verse 5, he said, Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. That word now, that word now, figures very prominent to me. I am now ready. He wasn't ready when he wrote the Philippians. I'm ready now. I'm now ready to be offered. Timothy, you're going to have to step up. I'm leaving. I'm going home. The time of my departure is at hand. I'm looking at the gate. I'm looking, uh, I'm looking up there. It says, you depart your time. It's coming. It's at hand. I know. It's imminent. They said so. I see the plane. They're opening the doors. They're coming out. They're getting ready. I'm going to get on. We're going to take off. I'm ready to be released. I'm ready to leave this prison. I'm ready to be the, uh, offered the time of my departure is at, is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to, unto all them that love his appearance. All right, he's not saying uh, he's got a crown that I'm going to wear. I think he's talking about that existence, that brightness, that joy, that perfection, and, and in that environment that he's going to have that all of God's people also will have in that day. That day's coming until Paul says, Timothy... It's at hand, buddy. It's coming. But he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, that's, that's, a, that's backwards. Here's a, a man that went with Paul, that, that Paul loved. And ministered with Paul, and he forsook Paul and the church. And he said, he loves this present world. This world is going to be done away with. Why do you love something that's going to be burned with fire? Why do you love something that will take advantage of you? That seeks their own. Why would you, why would you love that when you could be have a foretaste of heaven and a... a A drink 
of those living waters right now. He loves this present world. And you know who's this? You know what Paul's telling Timothy? You just read on. He says, you bring so-and-so with you. Uh, the cloak I left over there, you bring with me. Bring the books. You know what Paul's telling? You know what Paul is telling Timothy? Here's what I want you to do right now. Here's what I want. Do this, do this, and be this way. But he's not telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to be just like me. You need to... Did not, I don't want you to fear that. Look at me. Look how, look how spiritual I am right now. What a spiritual giant that I am. And you're such a spiritual mouse. Will you stop being a mouse? Grow up to be a man like me. I'm the Apostle Paul. Look, I'm ready to be offered. He didn't tell Timothy that. Not at all. He said, make full proof of your mystery. Do the work of evangelism. Do the, do the stuff I've already told you to do. Not everybody can be like the Apostle Paul. Because not everybody... Is in the state that the Apostle Paul is when he writes to Timothy, though it may be that we come to this position, and that in that now we are seeing our departure. And that's why our focus. The rest of y'all, you take care of your business. Me and Brother Sonny, brother, my brother Mike went to see Brother Bill. We kept on trying to get Brother Walden. To give us, you know, a last word, a third testament. Give us something. You know, all Bill, Brother Bill wanted to talk about. He wanted to talk about how he came to the old Baptist. How he met Sister Francis. And how much the church meant to him. Sounds like that's what we ought to be thinking about. Here's a man... Who, who knows his, his, the time of his departure is at hand. He's like, look, I've already told you all this stuff. <laughs> I, I'm going to where we've been talking about. You know, you know about it. I don't have anything new for you. Just love the church. Love one another. Timothy, study, preach. Bring, bring the cloak, bring the books, tell folks this, this, this. Nothing's really changed except I'm going on to glory. And you keep doing what I told you to do, what you know to do. He just tells him the, some of the things that happened in verse 18. He says, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, he said in the verse prior, he says, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. He doth deliver. Now he's talking about that will yet deliver. That's what he thinks. He delivered me from every evil work. Amen. Doth deliver. Will preserve me. Yet deliver. Unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom glory be forever and ever. Eh? That's going to happen no matter what. And nothing's going to stop. Finally, let me just leave, leave, leave this to you. <clears throat> we see death from a perspective. From our perspective. We see the sting of it. We feel the sting of it. The sorrow of it. it and it stays with us. 
And then we have, we know that unless the Lord comes back, that will happen to us. It doesn't look too good from this viewpoint. But what about on the other side? Wonder what it looks like over there. Well, the Bible tells us. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's a precious time. I remember uh, a few years ago, it was around Christmas time, and my daughter-in-law came in. She said, Dad, Dad Sam, that's my son. He can't come. He's, he was in Army training. He said they, they're not going to let him out for Christmas. They're not going to come. I said, oh, oh, that's sad. I hadn't seen him in about a year. That's almost kind of thinking about Christmas is ruined. She said, he's going to call you right now and want to talk to you. He calls me. He, right then, here he is. He's on the phone. Dad, I'm so sorry. I love you. Just can't make it. Can't come. Things are going on. I said, oh, Sam, it's all right, but you know how it is. You know, I really wanted to see you. He goes, yeah, Dad, I want to see you too. Matter of fact, I want to see you so bad, I'm going to see you right now. And he comes walking in the door. <laughs> Y'all seen those YouTube soldier come home happier? I had that. Now, what do you think I did? How dare you play such a dastardly joke on me? <laughs> Get out of here. Man, I dropped the phone. I started crying. I ran to him, put my arms around him. You know what that feeling was? Precious. That's how it is in glory. When we cross over, we walk into that place, that happy land. There's a there's rejoicing there up in heaven. Now you think about this. The Lord said several times, there is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. All right, that, that's true. Then. Just imagine when one of God's sheep come into glory, right into the place where they are. Can you imagine the rejoicing going on when they're brought into that place? I saw my grandfather pass away. At the age of 17, he had had a, just a massive stroke. Nothing they could do. They had him hooked up. Every breath was a labor. It was hard. I was down in the cafeteria, and something told me, you need to get up there. I literally ran from the cafeteria of that hospital up to, work, to my grandfather's room. I got in the room. I hadn't been there but a minute. I was watching him breathe laboriously, and then he breathed one time, and that was it. And his soul departed. And departed the prison of his clay and walked into the door of eternal joy. He was so, you could see the struggle of life. But when he breathed that last breath, peace just flooded his face. Insomuch that my grandmother said, he's at peace. And she didn't cry. Because she saw such a validation of the deliverance that death brought to him 
I like that. I don't know. Here's the thing. I, we don't know the, our circumstances. Best I've ever known, first church I ever served down in the Rio Grande Valley, Brother Merle Ramsey, he'd always pray that. He prayed every prayer. Lord, give us a peaceful hour in which to die. It fell on a day. And we just had an annual meeting up there, or down there, I should say. He, I got home on Sunday night. He called me. He wanted to go talk about the meeting again. We did. Hung up the phone Sunday night. Monday morning, he wakes up. His wife gets up, Sister Margaret. She says, I'm going to get up there and fix breakfast. He says, all right, I'm just going to lay back down. And you wake me when breakfast is ready. He had breakfast with the Lord. He went to sleep. And he fell asleep. And he woke up in glory. And we said that at his funeral. The Lord answered his prayer. I can't think of a better way. We just had a meeting. The Lord blessed us. You had a good night's sleep. Your wife is fixing breakfast. Not so good for Sister Margaret. Nope, not so good for us. But it was the best day for Brother Merle. What if it's not a peaceful hour? You thought about that? Well, then we think about Stephen. Stoned to death. I see the Son of Man standing. Father, lay not the sin to their charge. And he fell asleep. That sounds like a peaceful hour. That's dying grace. Don't worry about not having it because you don't need it. But trust in the Lord that doth deliver that he'll give it to you when you need it. And struggle on and struggle on. Struggle on to the end. Be faithful. Because he will yet deliver us. God bless you. Thank you very much. All right. That's my take on that. A lot more to be said. And uh, thanks be to Brother Richard for giving me that. Stir my. Y'all may hear it again later on this summer. I'm not saying. I'm still. I'm still. A, Y'all are kind of the kind of the, the beta version here. So about three forty-six. Thank you. Number three hundred and forty-six. We'll extend that. Oh, uh, the iron, those of you are coming to church.